the Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices? I don't have to show you any stinking vices! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey everybody, welcome to it, the Chris Salcedo Show. Uh, For those of you on Facebook Live, that was Ellie. She's having... Well, so you have a cold or... Because I'm hip, I can I can relate. Uh, why did you wake up without a voice today? You know why? It I happens. Can, it, <laughs> do you notice? For those of you on Facebook, you guys on radio or not don't realize what just happening. It was LA. She was really close to the microphone. And, yeah, I just I wake up with my Elba Fudd voice and, uh, and and I had to start the Facebook Live thing. And she was really close to the mic. Now now that she's on, it's like yeah, it really it happens. And, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean. I wasn't trying to, to to embarrass you, Ellie. Honest, I wasn't. It just, you know, the timing of the show. Welcome to it, everybody. The antidote to the basket of bias press. It's the Chris Salcedo show, and man, alive, we got a big show for you guys today. Those of you watching on Facebook Live, I want to let you know there's a couple of ways to get in touch with the program. Let's start off since we're on social media. Let's start off with Facebook, the Chris Salcedo show. You just type in the Chris Salcedo show in the search bar, and you're going to find us. Uh, uh, along with, you know, our presence here on on the Blaze Facebook page. Uh, also go to Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X as in Texas. The freest state in the union. And I've got great news from that state that could be an inspiration to all of you out there. It's great. The, great news. Amidst all the liberal craziness out there, it's good news. Uh you can always pick up the phone, too, and dial me up. 888-933-93-888-900-3393. If you're curious as to how to listen to The Blaze Radio live, you can go to theblaze.com slash radio. You have not one but two smartphone apps, the Blaze Radio smartphone app and the iHeartRadio app. SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher gives you on-demand listening. And, of course, catch the Chris Salcedo Show's presence at theblaze.com. You go to the channel section and click on channels, and you'll see my mug on there and make sure you follow. And you'll get some uh, tasty offerings every single day, courtesy of our pals over at uh, theblaze.com. I mentioned the state of Texas, and there's not a lot of good news out there where we're seeing conservatism winning these days. Uh, a, because the president of the United States, even though he's a Republican, is not a dyed-in-the-wool staunch conservative. So, uh, and, and even he, just approaching government 
in a common sense way, like, yeah, of course we're going to follow the law. Why wouldn't we follow the law? So all the setbacks and all the left-wing craziness and Ann Coulter losing over at, uh, at Berkeley, uh, where freedom uh, of speech has died, freedom of speech is dead in liberal la-la land, there's some good news. And it happens to be in the state in which I'm broadcasting, I'm hoping many, well, all right, let, let me put it this way. If you're in California, you're screwed, okay? If you're in Illinois, if you're in New York, you got, your folks are screwed because you are dominated by left-wingers who despise the rule of law and who, let's, let's be quite frank, put foreigners first. It's, it's the foreigners first policies. They rule the roost in those states. Now, the rest of you, you may have a shot at emulating what Texas just did. I got to give you guys some background on this. The Texas Senate is the more conservative. The Texas House, numerous lawmakers, more numerous, but uh, there are some conservative and there are a lot of moderates, a lot of John McCain's uh, wandering around the Texas House. So I have to admit I was a little skeptical when the, the, the Texas Senate passed an anti-sanctuary cities bill and it was strong and it basically did this if you are an elected official you know like that kook uh, out in uh, oregon that judge that left-wing judge who allowed that illegal alien drunk to get out of her courtroom because she knew that ice was waiting to deport the illegal alien felon if you're like that and you're in the, in the sheriff's department or you're in the police department or you're an elected official inside of these sanctuary cities in the state of Texas, according to the Senate, you would be up to prosecution. You could be charged with a crime if you actively thwarted the enforcement of immigration law on the federal level. All right. You following me? So my worry was, is that it would go from the Senate and it would go over to the house and it would get watered down and stuff, but that's not what happened. In a, and I have to admit it, I've got to give credit where credit is due to the Texas House. They not only kept the original integrity of that bill, they actually made it a tad stronger. So there's, there's got to be some reconciling going on between Senate and House. It's, it, it works this way in the state of Texas as it does on the federal level. But it looks like a very strong bill that will criminalize Democrats and their foreigners' first policies. It will criminalize them and drive them from office so they can't plague citizens of the great state of Texas anymore. It is, it's an astonishing day. It's a bright day where the rule of law has finally defeated Democrats. The rule of law has finally won out. Now, again, I'm not going to believe it until Governor Greg Abbott of the state of Texas puts his John Hancock on that thing and it's law. And it's probably going to be challenged, but I, you know, this is, this is how the state of Texas wants to handle wayward Democrats. And in the state of Texas, you will be prosecuted if you're a Democrat who has a foreigner's first policy and says, oh, you know what, um, not only am I not going to cooperate with the federal government on illegal immigration, which in and of itself is bad, but I'm going to actively stand in the way of the feds enforcing illegal immigration. I'm going to let, there, there's, a, 
there's a reprobate named, uh, we call her Sanctuary Sally in the state of Texas. Sanctuary Sally lets felons out onto the streets to, to plague Americans, felon illegal aliens who shouldn't even be here to begin with. So she, sta- Sanctuary Sally, this, uh, this sheriff in uh, Travis County in Texas, she stands for illegal alien felons. She is a proponent a cheerleader, if you will, for illegal immigrant felons. And now, under this new law, once it passes, she will be subject to the same laws that you and I are. She will not be able to break federal law with impunity. So I, as I said, if I seem a little buoyed today, if I seem a little just, yes, and isn't it strange that here I am in the United States of America, And finally, common sense wins out. Finally, the rule of law wins out, and I'm I'm on cloud nine. It's a it's a strike, it's a strike to the anti-American leftists, and it's a thumbs up to the civil society, which is what America is based on. The civil society, the rule of law. And so many Democrats out there on the federal level, dare I say, even in the state of Texas where a lot of us are conservative, and, and certainly all around other states in this nation, Democrats believe they're above the law. I mean, we just had eight years of resident Obama thinking the law didn't apply to him. Well, I'm clear. I can do whatever the hell I want. And he did, most often. Anything he can get away with. I mean, that cat, resident Obama, violated the Constitution on several occasions, was found by the Supreme Court to have violated the Constitution of the United States. A man whose job it was to enforce the Constitution and the rules of law, the rules of law in the United States. Crazy. It's crazy. But that's where we're coming off of. And so many leftists, like in California and Illinois and, and New York, thought, you know, hey, it, you know, we get to rule the roost. In America, liberals aren't prosecuted. Because, and we, we get to have our way. Whoopee, until here comes uh, Donald Trump. Says, no, I think we're going to enforce the law. And then, you know, reprobates like this... Uh, this judge out in California says, well, enforcing the law, that's not constitutional. <laughs> it sound, I know it sounds silly, but it's in effect what he did when he said that, uh, that sanctuary cities can't be punished. If sanctu- well, if sanctuary cities want to violate the law, <laughs> who is the federal government? You know, supremacy clause? What supremacy clause? So anyway, that, I'm happy today, and I'm, and I'm hoping what happens in Texas proves to be a template for other states so that Democrats, you and I will be able to see Democrats and liberal extremists perp-walked when they think they're above the law, when they think they're better than you and me, that they don't have to obey the laws that we all, the rest of us have to obey. All right, uh, there's plenty of other good reason to, to be excited today, and it's taxes. Now, I, I don't want to get everybody's hopes up too high because, look, what, what Donald Trump and his administration did yesterday in rolling out this suggestion, and that, that's what it was. It was a, an opening bid, if you will. A lot of good things being talked about, but simplifying a 75,000-page tax code is, is right up in there. And if you guys have listened to the Chris Salcedo Show any length of time, you know that I always struggle to find a disparaging word that is impactful enough to describe the U.S. tax code. And it is, 
it's un-American. It's, uh, it is aptly named progressive. It is, uh, see, again, here I go. I, I, I'm, I'm trying trying to keep it clean. I, I mean, <laughs> if, if this weren't a, a PG rated, uh, show or a G rated show, I, there, there are plenty of expletives I could use to describe the U.S. tax code gifted to us mostly by progressives of both political parties trying to carve out special little niches for their, for their political donors. Charles Krauthammer had a, a wonderful way of referring to it last night. He said, you know, every, every once in a while, you've got to scrape the barnacles off the ship of the U.S. tax code. And that's exactly what's happened since 1986, since the last time we had Reformation. People... People have succumbed, people, elected leaders have succumbed to bribery. I'll finance your campaign if you'll just give us this carve out so that we don't have to pay so many taxes. Uh, let's start off, so I don't have enough time. I, okay, let me start off with one soundbite here. This is Trump's National Economic Director. This is Gary Cohen outlining the principles for the tax cuts. This is, this is again, one soundbite. I'll play the rest. And all you on Facebook Live, you're just going to join us on radio to hear the rest. Listen to this. First, here are a few statistics for you on the individual side. In 1935, we had a one-page tax form consisting of 34 lines with two pages of instructions. Today, the basic 1040 form has 79 lines and 211 pages of instructions. Why do we have to, to go to endure all of that just to do our duty and pay taxes to this government? They make it so hard on us. You know what they make it hard on? For us to pay our fair share. They make it so complicated, they bank on us paying more than we're supposed to. And uh, I resent these extremist liberal progressives, both political parties, for doing this to us. Uh, more of this of these principles laid out. Again, principles. It's not going to look anything. Well, I, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm hoping it looks a lot like what was laid out yesterday. But chances are, after it goes through the meat grinder of Congress, it won't. But hope springs eternal. We'll get more to this on the Chris Salcedo show, and I'm glad you've joined us, everybody, for a Thursday right here on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to. The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Instead of a single form, the IRS now has 199 tax forms on the individual side of our tax code. Taxpayers spend nearly 7 billion hours complying with these tax codes every year. And nearly 90% of taxpayers need some help in filing their taxes. You know, 
my understanding is that uh, Gary Cohn is a is a Dem. I, I think he is. Uh, well, I, I mean, he seems to be doing Donald Trump's uh, uh, bidding on this, and seems to be taking his job seriously. I don't. I. I. I don't disagree with his lament. Welcome back, everybody. It's Chris Salcedo's show, and it's the, the U.S. tax code has become onerous. The U.S. tax code is a punishment, and liberals like it that way. Dems like it that way. They've weaponized the Internal Revenue Service. By the way, uh, just breaking, United Airlines, I told you, hold on a minute, I got it. This is just breaking, I gotta get to this. this because remember, Ellie, you and I were talking about this. Oh, dang it, it doesn't, doesn't tell us. Uh, United Airlines reaches settlement with Dr. David Dow. The passenger that was dragged off that plane. United Airlines reached a settlement with Dr. David Dow, passenger dragged from the plane. And that's all it says. It doesn't give us the number. You and I you and I had a bet on this, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Well, you were saying like you were really lowballing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I some some of my pals were saying a hundred hundred uh hundred million. <laughs> because he they they broke his nose, they knocked out a couple of his teeth. Uh, oh man, let me see if, hold on, folks, forgive me, I'm going to search, I'm going to search for this right now, see if anybody has a dollar figure, uh, listed, hold on a minute, uh, this is breaking news as you and I are sitting here talking, so I, and I'm, I am just really curious to see what, because I knew they would settle, I knew this wasn't going to, this wasn't going to trial, I mean, uh, United Airlines, United Airlines had no interest in making sure that, uh, and, and making sure this didn't go to trial, uh, bu- 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 I bet, oh, I bet you they're not going to tell us. Uh, United Airlines just reached settlement, David. Okay, here's CNN. Uh, the deal Thursday did not disclose the financial terms. Dang it. How are we going to know? You got off easy, Ellie. You got off easy. <laughs> well, okay. Well, that's done. That's over. At least we knew we were right. It would never see the inside of a courtroom. I can, oh, can you imagine? Just this guy, this guy will never have to work another day in his life. <laughs> Thank you, United Airlines. <laughs> and all it cost him was a bloody nose and a couple of knocked out teeth. All right, back to, uh, back to taxes. Uh, Trump's National Economic Director, Gary Cohn, outlining the principles of the tax cuts here this is uh this is the nitty-gritty this is where it affects you and me oh i haven't helped if i turn this up hold on a second so you can hear it i didn't want cnn to come blurting through hold on listen we are going to cut taxes and simplify the tax code by taking the current seven tax brackets we have today and reducing them to only three brackets a 10 percent bracket a 25 percent bracket and a 35 percent bracket now what we don't know is how much money do you have to make to make those brackets that's going to be left up, my understanding, to Congress. That's going to be left up to your elected leaders. So, what we, well, he's going to get into one other particular that I kind of like. Listen to this. We're going to double the standard deduction so that a married couple won't pay any taxes on the first $24,000 of income they earn. So basically, right now, I think that the standard deduction is 6000 per individual. They're going to nearly double it. So 24K, if you're a married couple, the first $24,000 you two make, not taxed. Zero tax. Now, 
You know what? That's one thing I should have. Why didn't I think of this before the show? Because I when when I was listening to that, I didn't. I hold on. Median U.S. income. This is okay. The media. See, this is what I thought because I used this example on an earlier version. I did it intuitively. It, it turns out. Uh, according to the U.S. Census, median income in the United States is 50, 51,000. Let's call it 52,000. 52,000 bucks. So the first half, basically, of that income, you're not taxed on. You're only going to be taxed on the next portion. So if you make the average household income in America, which is $52,000, if you're an average Joe, Joe Schmo couple, the first 24,000 will not be taxed at all. And your next twenty four thousand or twenty six thousand will only be. Or let me do. Let me do proper math. It'd be twenty eight thousand. Will be taxed at ten percent. So that's it. Two thousand eight hundred. That's it. That, that and that's that's your tax. And then you get a a write off for your mortgage, and you get a write off for charitable giving, and that's it. And there's your and, and there's your tax that you'll pay. Kind of interesting. More on this, other side of the break. Chris Salcedo Show, right here on The Blaze. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. We're going to double the standard deduction so that a married couple won't pay any taxes on the first $24,000 of income they earn. So in essence, we are creating a zero tax rate. Yes, a zero tax rate for the first $24,000 that a couple earns. Uh, Those are just some of the basics of this proposal from the Trump administration to basically reform a, a bloated, insane uh, un-American tax code that's over 75,000 pages right now. Let's talk more about this uh, and, and some of the holes and some of the things we don't know and where this might go with Katie McAuliffe. She is the Federal Affairs Manager at Americans for Tax Reform, Executive Director of Digital Liberty. Her research and advocacy efforts focus on a broad range of telecom and, and technology issues, too, which we're going to ask her about. Katie, welcome to the Salcedo Show. Thanks for having me. All right, first off, your your evaluation of what's going on with this proposal from the Trump administration. Good, good jumping off point. Yes. Oh, definitely. All right. Well, give, give me your about from what we know, the ta- the simplification. Uh, did, did they miss some things in your estimation? Give us your, give me your overall evaluation here. Well, I think what we're looking at here is a great reduction for small businesses, for families. We've got to spot, eliminate the death tax. A jumping um, off point to get to a territorial system that helps us be internationally. Hey, uh, Katie, you know, I'm going to ask you to, to maybe get closer to a window. I think we have a little bit of a poor cell connection here. Uh, so I'm getting every other word. So if maybe you can move over, adjust where you are in your office today. I'll reintroduce you and hopefully we can get a better cell, cell signal. This is Katie McAuliffe, everybody. Federal Affairs Manager at Americans for Tax Reform, Executive Director of Digital Liberty. 
And uh, so, yeah, Katie, I guess what I, I, I guess that the bottom line, you want to know a couple of things with the, with the tax, with, with any tax reform. First off, is it going to be easier for folks? Is it going to create economic growth? And, and the liberals are, are concerned that all of their bloated government will be able to be funded. I'm not really so much concerned with that. I like to see government pared back. It's this whole idea, is it revenue neutral? There are some other reasons why it has to be that way because of reconciliation and the rules of the Senate. But uh, what is your evaluation for this initial offering? Does it, does it check off some boxes in your estimation? Definitely. I mean, getting that um, the business taxes down to 15% gives us a great opportunity to be competitive internationally. This gives us a spot to get to territoriality so we can be competitive internationally as well. And it gets us to a really great spot for small businesses with, you know, your standard deductions, the three tax brackets. I mean, this is a great plan going forward. Also, elimination of the death tax. I mean, that's something that we definitely want to kill, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. You know what she's talking about, territory folks? You know, under the current tax system, the, the, the liberal insane tax system we have right now, American companies that are abroad, say they're over in the UK, right? And uh, they make money over in the UK and the UK taxes them. And then when they want to bring that money back home to the United States, America taxes them. So it's the same money and it's double taxed by both countries. And that's just absolutely insane. And that's why there's so much money parked offshore because it's not cost effective to bring it back home and help the United States. And Donald Trump wants to change that. Katie McAuliffe, our, our guest right now, federal affairs manager at Americans for Tax Reform, executive director of Digital Liberty. Let me ask you about some other things going on. There was a, this didn't get a lot of attention, and that's why I wanted to bring it to folks' attention. There was a privacy rule that House Republicans did away with, and even folks who typically get it right were were yelling at the the rooftops, Congress intends to sell your privacy, uh, your, your, uh, your internet browsing history, uh, and, and the Daily Beast did the same thing. The politicians want to give away your data. Is this what happened with this privacy rule? Absolutely not. Uh, what Congress did was make sure that we have the same internet that we used a year ago, six months ago, three months ago, kept everything level. What really happened was the Federal Communications Commission just reached outside of the direction that Congress gave them said, hey, you know, we're going to start meddling in regulation of privacy over here. And the Federal Trade Commission had been doing that forever. The FCC is not the expert agency on this. So Congress said, hey, you know, FCC, slow your roll. That's not what you're going to do. And then there are a lot of other things coming down the pike very soon to get the agency, the FCC, back in line to stop meddling with the Internet. Well, yeah, exactly. And that was, we talked, I think it was last week, about net neutrality and finally got it explained that basically what what Obama had tried to do, because he couldn't get it past the Congress, so he tried to basically force it down our throats, as he did with everything else, administratively. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and this net neutrality was basically Obamacare for the Internet, and it would have resulted in pretty much the same result, a disaster. Uh, do, do you think Ajit Pai, who is now the FCC's commissioner, he's a Republican, uh, do you think he's going to be able to, to rein in those regulations? I think he's already taken steps to get rid of, uh, of net neutrality, yes? Yeah, so he's um, going to release his proposed rulemaking actually later today for the public to look at. You know, Obama's FCC, they didn't let anyone look at anything before they voted on it. Does that sound familiar? A lot like mm-hmm. Obamacare. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the Internet telecommunications industry is one-sixth of our economy. That is the same size as healthcare. This is huge. 
And what Obama's FCC wanted to do was put utility-style regulations on the Internet and call that net neutrality. Nobody's against the idea that when people get online, they should be able to access the content that they want to access. But we are against a government fiat taking over the Internet and micromanaging it. That's not that's not the agency's job. That's not the government's job. Well, yes. Well, it, it, it has been the last eight years, and that's why I think we are in the position we're in economically. I mean, from the tax code to slow growth all over this country, the worst recovery in American history for coming and that can be traced back to uh, policies just like this net nu- net neutrality thing and, of course, uh, the insane tax code. Uh, folks, uh, Katie McCullough is her name. She's a federal affairs manager at Americans for Tax Reform, executive director of Digital Liberty. Katie, thank you very much for being here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, let's do some more evaluation, if we can, here on Trump's proposed tax reformation. Now, this is, uh, of course, the... Uh, the National Economic Director, Gary Cohn, and I'm leading off, folks, with, with what affects you and me, the, the people. Not that the, corp, the corporate side, we'll get to Steve Mnuchin here in a minute, not that the corporate side's unimportant, but I, I th- there's more of us, let's say, than, than there are of them. And, and, and they employ us, so I, I will pay attention to it, but I want, I want you guys to know what you're in for, potentially, as uh, as individuals that a couple earns the larger standard deduction also leads to simplification because far fewer taxpayers will need to itemize you know what that means basically it, let's just say for example you and your wife or you and your husband make you know fit the, the median income fifty two thousand, and when you when you itemize meaning you start listing all of your deductions and stuff like that you, many folks will just say you know what let me just simplify this i mean i i paid 2000 if you're $52,000 and you you're only taxed 10% on on 28,000 that means your tax bill is 2800 and distribute that amongst all your paychecks and you can take care of that easily through your payroll deduction right so many folks aren't even going to bother to itemize. They're just going to say, the heck with it. I'll either get a return or, uh, you know, I've already paid my, my taxes, if you will. It's a, can, can you guys, you make 52 grand a year and $2,800 is your responsibility. I mean, conceivably, if this thing all pushes through as, as advertised, it's a, that's a tax cut. I think by any measure. Which means their tax form can go back, yes, to that one simple page that I talked about earlier. Families in this country will also benefit from tax relief to help them with child and dependent care expenses. Wow, so, so then there will be child and dependent care uh, for the elderly expenses that you're going to be able to write off. Right now you can't write, well, you can write off child care. You can't write off education. So um, I guess that's going to stick around. Now, Every, almost, almost everything else goes away. We are going to repeal the alternative minimum tax. And we explained this yesterday, AMT. This, is, um, this was the liberals' efforts to make sure that people that they called the rich, the rich people uh, could not utilize deductions to the degree to really lessen their, their tax burden. Some were so effective at this that they were able to whittle down their taxes to, to practically nothing because they because they had the money and the resources to pay accountants to to comb every drop and tittle of the 
of the tax code to get maximum benefit. Of course, something you and I can't do. But there's more. The AMT creates significant complications and burdens which require taxpayers to do their taxes twice to see which is higher. Yeah, see, the, the alternative minimum tax said if you reach a certain economic bracket, there's a minimum tax that you have to pay. No matter how many deductions, your deductions don't matter anymore. You must pay at least that. Now, they set it for a certain income bracket and they set it for a certain, they set it for a certain um, level, these liberals. And they didn't index it for inflation when they, when they imposed this on us. I can't remember exactly what year AMT was imposed. Hold on a second. I probably could look that up really quickly. But when, when it was imposed, the U.S. economy looked very different. Um, date imposed. Uh, it looked very different than it is today. Let's see. Ba, 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 ba. Uh, all, all it lists. Okay. Uh, minimum tax was, I guess, 1969 was when this was put in. And the liberals who put this in, they didn't index it for inflation, so they wouldn't consider that, you know, somebody making, let's just throw an arbitrary number out there, uh, 25000 a year in 1969, which may have been a lot of money back in 1969. Not a, lot of, not a lot of money in 2017. Now, the story goes that liberals were so stupid and so moronic that they didn't index it for inflation, thus they ended up screwing the middle class because that ended up being uh, more onerous and more punishing and punitive to the middle class because as stated before we folks in the middle class can't can't go and pay off uh, tons of lawyers and tax attorneys the way the truly wealthy can so it was the middle class that got raped by the liberals alternative minimum tax now and I, and I said the story was that they were so stupid because, you know, Democrats and liberals, they never sign the front of a paycheck. They never, they can't run a popsicle stand or a lemonade stand. They're just completely clueless as far as economics goes. But what eight years of residence Obama taught me is that, no, they're not stupid. They knew precisely what they were doing. And they knew eventually they'd get their grubby little hands on the middle class's money. That makes no sense. We are going to return the top capital gains tax rate and dividend rate to 20%, repealing the harmful full 3.8% Obamacare tax on dividends and capital gains. We're going to repeal the death tax. The threat of being hit by the death tax leads small business owners and farmers in this country to waste countless hours and resources on complicated estate planning to make sure their children aren't hit with a huge tax when they die. I will address the death tax. Other side of the break here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Stick with me, everybody. You found the blaze. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. Show. No one wants to see their children have to sell the family business to pay an unfair tax. Death tax is really onerous, kind of sick, really. Uh, of course, advocated by extremist libs and Democrats who 
watch their constituents battle and scrape and pay their taxes on on money, several taxes, income tax, state taxes, local taxes, fees of, of every kind, getting raped at every level of government. They, they struggle, they scrimp, they save, and they build something, and they want to leave something behind their children. And then here comes liberal progressives who say, oh, I want a piece of that again. Wait a minute, didn't you tax me enough for 30 or 40 years of my life when I tried to put all this together? No, liberals want more. They always want more of what you have. So they can give it to somebody else so they can stay elected. It's really what the the death tax, many common sense Americans just say, come on, really? You want to tax a guy after he dies or a gal after she dies? What's wrong with you libs? What's wrong with you people? We are going to eliminate most of the tax breaks that are mainly benefits to high-income individuals. Home ownership, charitable giving, and retirement savings will be protected. That's only that. That's it. That's it. Everything else, everything else, you lose all these deductions, and that's going to cause some problems. I heard from some uh, some senior citizens today who rely on writing off their medical expenses because of their age. They said the biggest deduction they have is those medical expenses and also their their home mortgage interest. The medical expenses might go away, but don't forget that you have the initial initial benefits of a simplified tax code and and if your income is your retirement income is low enough, you may be in a lower tax bracket and it it could all come out in the wash. But other tax benefits will be eliminated. This isn't going to be easy. Doing big things never is. We will be attacked from the left and we will be attacked from the right. But one thing is certain. I would never, ever bet against this president. He will get this done for the American people. All right, coming up next, folks, uh, you heard Doc Thompson in the promo talking about an update on North Korea. A lot of folks are, are we going to war with North Korea? I don't think it'll come to that. But there are some very interesting things that are being talked about, and we'll get into it coming up in the second hour of the Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Stick with me. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of the next generation of talk radio. This is the Blaze Radio Network. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to Hour 2, everybody, the Chris Salcedo Show. And we told you last hour breaking news, that, and you heard it in the top of the hour newscast there, that uh, United Airlines has settled with uh, the doctor that they kick the the garbage out of dragging him off that airplane uh, for an undisclosed amount. And the Wall Street Journal printing this up today and very apt timing. Southwest will end the overbooking of flights by June. So United Airlines screws the pooch. And Southwest says, well, we're not going to we're not going to do that. So that is uh, some uh, some other breaking news uh, as it seems United screws up and Southwest learns the lesson and implements the lesson. 
Telephone number is 888-933-93. Trump also agreeing to renegotiate NAFTA in Canada. NAFTA with Canada and Mexico, I should say. Which is, which is fine. Uh, I, I think it's, it's a good renegotiation. If we can get a better deal out of it, let's, let's revisit it. And then Trump is in a strong bargaining position right now because he's already pulled out of TPP. So the, the folks in Canada are getting an up close and, uh, and personal experience with Trump as he says, oh, you're going to screw around with our dairy farmers? Cool. We'll screw, screw around with your lumber. Or do you want to start behaving as friends? <laughs> and they're like, oh, my gosh, where's Obama? We're going to go Obama back. Obama, Obama loved to roll the United States over for anybody. The Ayatollahs, <laughs> the Mullahs, the Ayatollah, Canada, Cuba. I mean, Obama was, well, actually, as we said yesterday, uh, Obama was bending over backwards as he was bending the United States over forwards. <laughs> that's a great bumper i'm gonna make that into a bumper sticker just so we never forget the legacy of resident obama anyway so i'm all for this get a better deal i think we got a a pretty raw deal in nafta don't forget who negotiated nafta uh william jefferson clinton bill nye the science guys out there uh, he's made some more news i i'll share that with you in short order, I promised you guys I would evaluate what was going on on the corporate side of taxes. And Treasury Secretary uh, Steve Mnuchin was out, and th- there's, I only pulled one soundbite from this because it is important, I, and I don't want to give it short shrift, but I, I do believe that a focus on we, the people who pay as a collective, a lot of money. And we, how we are affected by tax policies. Not, not that these folks in, in corporate America don't pay a lot of money. They do. But I just think the tax code and reformation will affect a lot more people on the individual side than it will on the corporate side directly. Now, indirectly, the corporate, the corporate changes will be felt across the economy, across all economic strata. So let's listen to Mnuchin, all right? We'll go, this, we'll go through this point by point. Right now we have a 35% corporate rate. 35% corporate income tax rate. That is the highest in the world. That is the highest in the industrialized world. It makes us instantaneously uncompetitive. You understand that that 35% is factored into the cost of doing business. Right off the top, 35% of whatever you make is gone. So whatever whatever product you're making, 35% cost added onto, the, onto that product compared to maybe 15% from other countries making the same product. Who's going to be more competitive? On worldwide income and deferral, it is perhaps the most complicated an uncompetitive business rate in the world. Not a surprise that companies leave trillions of dollars offshore. Now, we, we talked about this in the last hour. You don't want to get double taxed. 
American corporation who has offices abroad. You make money in the UK or in Spain or in Mexico, and then they tax you. And then if you want to bring it back home to your headquarters in the United States and invest in America, oh, America wants Well, progressives want to tax you. So guess what you do as a business owner? Let me see. If I want to shut down all my businesses and work only in America, I can pay 35% or I can keep my operations abroad and pay much less. In some, in some countries, 15%. Some countries, 20%. It's, it, it's, a, it's dollars and cents, folks. It's, a, it's, a num- it's numbers. So any CEO worth their salt will say, well, yeah, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep all my capital overseas because I'm taxed less. Liberals, well, you're just selfish. Liberals are such morons when it comes to business. Trying to tell somebody, oh, that they should operate against their country's best interest. Why? So you Democrats can get a payoff? Come on. No. You need to operate with a fiduciary responsibility to your investors and to keep your company thriving and going. The company's job isn't to make you Democrats popular. A company's job isn't to make sure that money is funneled into Democrat campaign coffers. A company's job is to succeed, to grow, to achieve. I think these are all these are all concepts that are foreign to the American liberal folks, or actually to the worldwide liberal. But it is a matter of a matter of fact. Under the Trump plan, we will have a massive tax cut for businesses and massive tax reform and simplification. As the president said during the campaign, we will lower the business rate to 15%. We will make it a territorial system. And that territorial system means where you make the money, you get taxed on the money, and only where you make the money. You make the money in America, you get taxed here in America. You make the money in the UK, you get taxed there. And if Americans want to bring that money, say, say you're McDonald's and all of your, and all of that money that's over there in the UK, you have a choice. Well, I can get taxed on the money over there and then invest over there where it's going to be taxed at a lower rate. Or now that America is going to get competitive again, guess what? I can bring the money home and invest here. Where are you, what are you going to do if you're an American company? Of course, you're going to bring it home. Now that home doesn't want to rake you over the coals. And guess what that means, folks? More capital investment for America. Duh. Liberals can't, either can't grasp this or just don't care. We will have a one-time tax on overseas profits, which will bring back trillions of dollars that are offshore to be invested here in the United States to purchase capital and to create jobs. Well, to purchase I don't think you purchase capital. You'll be purchasing uh, infrastructure. You'll be purchasing, uh, growing your business, investing into your business. And I think what he's talking about is a repatriation rate. And again, he didn't specify what that rate was. So again, if, you, if you're an American company, you have all kinds of money parked overseas. America says, we want it back here at home. Bring it back home and we'll charge you a nominal rate. And they haven't decided what that rate is yet. Gonna, that's going to work itself out through Congress. 
the president is determined to unleash economic growth for businesses. This is not just about large corporations. Small and medium-sized businesses will be eligible for the business rate as well. All right, so that's that's what's going on on the business side, and it will have a a walloping effect to the positive for the American economy. There'll be more capital. There'll be more money here at home. What does that do? Well, it creates a market for jobs, and a lot of them. Trillions of dollars are parked overseas. Imagine what it would do back here at home. What does that mean for local states, for municipalities and towns and cities? It means that as you get more people being hired, your tax base grows, government has more money, infrastructure is repaired, and things start moving. This is something that liberals' ideology prevented them from doing, investing in America's success. Liberals only have the brain power to imagine investing in government success and those who populate the halls of government, their success, so long as, they, as, as long as those politicians could skim off the top. You see, that's, that's the best we can expect under liberals, under Democrats. Uh, under a businessman like Trump, we can expect a heck of a lot more. Prosperity not just for the elite, prosperity not just for Democrats, but for everybody. Improved lot for everybody. To work, not, not to be gifted something, to, to be able to work and achieve and succeed. You're not, it's, it's not going to be handed to you on a platter. You're going to have to work for it. Again, another foreign concept to our liberal friends, but uh, Crowdhammer over at the Fox News Channel gave his impression of this tax outline. Look, I think the most important element of this is the stripping away of deductions. Uh, in 1986, that was the great triumph of the tax reform. We stripped away all these loopholes and paybacks and cutouts. It's essentially a form of corruption. And I think the appeal that a Republican can make to Democrats is this meets the fairness argument. Because it's only the rich, it's only the powerful who have the lawyers and the accountants who can exploit these cutouts. And anybody else can't use them. And I think by doing that, you're allowed to lower rates. That was the genius of the Reagan tax reform. Uh, more on this coming up on the other side of the break, folks, and we'll start dealing with North Korea. That was a big story yesterday as the president delivered, well, what many of these senators, both parties, said was a sobering assessment of the capabilities of Kim Jong-un in North Korea. Back in a minute, the Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. This is The Chris Salcedo Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. As I read it now, it's only an outline, so we don't know if it'll end up this way. But except for the mortgage interest rate deduction, which you can hardly touch, although you can probably cap it because so many people depend on it, and uh, the uh, uh, charity, which I think is very useful 
because it's actually the only time the government weakens itself and strengthens civil society. It allows, essentially it subsidizes your charitable giving to independent organizations, which is very healthy for the country, except for those two exceptions. It seems as if they want to strip away everything else. And that's a good thing. Uh, the tax code is complicated enough as it is. We're talking simplification here, folks. And that was Charles Krauthammer, of course, of the Fox News Channel, giving his uh, evaluation uh, as to the proposal. And I, I have to stress this. It's a proposal. After Congress chews it up and Republicans cave in, it's going to look a lot different than this proposal. But as is the case, most cases with Donald Trump, he leads with the strongest hand possible for negotiation. This is what this is. The, this is the starting point. This is an opening bid. So hopefully what we get uh, after a strong opening bid, maybe we get something that's moderately good for the country. Maybe that's what the hope is. Telephone numbers, 888-933-93, I mentioned Bill Nye, the science guy, the fake science guy. Bill Nye, the fake science guy. You know what um, his latest is? Uh, who is writing this? The Federalist. The Internet is rightly mocking the complete disaster. That is the Rachel Bloom, my sex junk video that is part of this Netflix series, Bill Nye Saves the World. <laughs> Have you, this, is, this is something that Glenn and Pat and Stu were making fun of yesterday. We talked a little bit about it. It was pretty funny. Anyway, so Bill Nye's little series here, he, uh, he comes out with a, a proposal. Now, th this is nothing new. For those, now, he, he's hoping that a lot of liberal extremists who don't know what science is and <laughs> don't know what history is will think this is, oh, wow, Bill Nye, he's so intelligent. What a, what a great, what a great and intelligent man he is. They, they will think this is something that's somehow new and innovative. As a matter of fact, it is, it is not old at all. Um, leftists have proposed this kind of thing throughout time. Bill Nye, the, the fake science guy, of course, believes that man is the culprit behind uh, man-made global warming or global warming. And there are all manner of prescriptions that leftists are prescribing and don't 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 forget every bit of suggestion that these individuals put out there for to quote unquote solve man-made global warming it isn't to solve anything because many folks understand and i think maybe even bill nye the fake science guy knows and understands that man isn't causing it or not to a degree to where we'd be able to stop it or climate change is the call. Thank goodness the climate is changing. Or, you know, we'd be back, you know, there'd be, there, we, Earth would be uninhabitable by humans. But anyway, so what he is proposing to do is to subordinate your child-rearing practices to the state, to, have, to empower government to limit how many children you can have because people, Bill Nye rationalizes, are the cancer of the planet. It's, it's people who are destroying the planet. No, nobody else. Or nothing else. So 
he wants to limit man. And he wants the, the all-powerful state to be able to tell you, well, all, you, you've got two kids. No more than that. Now, as I mentioned, this is not unique to human history. The repressive and brutal communist Chinese government instituted a one-child policy, too. So it's uh, Bill Nye, the, the fake science guy, is right on par with the communist Chinese. And it turns out that their, ideo their ideology isn't that dissimilar, is it? Freedom robbing, liberty robbing, all-powerful state, all part of the plan from Bill Nye, the fake science guy. All right. Yesterday, we played the soundbite, John McCain getting um, asked by Fox News, going into this meeting with the president about what he was expecting and, and what North Korea should get from a meeting with a whole bunch of senators flocking to the White House. Uh, what they'll think, what they need to think is that uh, the Chinese will stop their economy f in every way unless they stop this progress towards uh, acquisition of a nuclear weapon and a means to deliver. China is the key to this. So what he's saying is that North Korea should understand that the United States of America is going to employ a lot of pressure on China to make North Korea behave. Now, maybe I'm just not a pro as proficient a student of human behavior as John McCain pretends to be, but if I'm Kim Jong-un, do I really fear my ally, my patron, who has no love for the United States, mind you, uh, coming down on me because of pressure being brought, diplomatic pressure being brought by the United States? And th think about this. I mean, the, 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 the People's Republic of China has propped up this, this crazy person for the last five years. And the relationship, the, the lines of communication are, are a lot better between China and Kim Jong-un than between China and the United States. Now, all that being said, there is, well, there are a couple of things we can actually do to change this dynamic. And Charles Krauthammer has some more suggestions on what to do. We'll do that next. The Chris Salcedo Show. We'll be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Show. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's the Chris Salcedo Show, and I'm glad you've tuned in. I am your liberty-loving Latino. Do not confuse me with loudmouth leftist Latinos. I actually love the country. 888-933-93-888-900-3393. I don't want to give you the impression that I am, I am treating North Korea lightly. I am not. Uh, there are no good military options. In North Korea, I am confident we can we can literally wipe them off the face of the planet. We can lay we can lay waste to North Korea. I know that there's no doubt we can do that. Um, 
the, the problem is, is what they will do and what they have the capability to do to our allies and, and to us and to our own soldiers over there stationed inside of, inside of South Korea before we're able to accomplish that. There, there is, to my knowledge, and I've talked to some military folks who tell me that this is actually true, that there is, there is no way that we can actually take out all of the military hardware in North Korea simultaneously before they're able to fire off a shot. We just don't have a, a, a way to do that. There's not even a way to mitigate the damage to Seoul. Um, so there are no good answers to what's going on. North Korea should never have been allowed to, to get a nuclear weapon, but they were allowed by intransigence and a lack of responsibility by the Clinton administration. Clinton administration bought them off, dedicated your taxpayer money. Hey, I just want you all to do something for me, all right? I'm going to give you a whole bunch of taxpayer money, and then uh, you, you just promise me. You promise me you're not going to develop nuclear weapons, okay? All right, you do that. And then Clinton came up with a, a regime, much like Obama came up with Iran, that didn't verify. Just trusted, but didn't verify. So they, they took all the money that we gave them, and they developed nuclear weapons. Ta-da! And that's why we're here. Uh, when that happened, there, and after they tested their first nuke in 2006, then it, cha it changed everything. Changed the whole equation. So, uh, and in these last eight years, President Obama didn't do a darn thing. Not one thing to rein in their nuclear program. So what, what is an option? The only option is, is to make North Korea know and understand that they would be facing a confrontation on two fronts. The United States and China. And the only way to get China to come up, they've done a couple of symbolic gestures. They've turned away North Korean coal from China. And that had a bit of an economic impact, slight economic impact for, the, um, for North Korea. But that was just to get us to back down. And Trump's not backing down. Now we have a strike group that is uh, a carrier strike group that is positioned now there. China doesn't like that, but it's still not enough to get them to do what really needs to be done, to force them to assume their leadership role in that, in that arena. What would do this? Well, I think we've talked about this before, and I may have inadvertently, because I, I know I've talked about this before, but I think... It was Charles Krauthammer who inspired me to think that this, this is the only viable solution. And it's, it, this doesn't solve our North, North Korea problem. This solves our China problem. Here's Krauthammer. And that means, I think, ultimately, either putting back in place our short-range short nuclear missiles that we had in South Korea. And I think, ultimately, we're going to have to declare that we support a Japanese and South Korean 
nuclear deterrent. That will get China's attention. And that's the only thing, I think, that would make them support a pressure on the regime that would change their course. Yeah, right. Uh, significant enough pressure that would that would that would inspire China to say, okay, well, the United States is not playing around. And again, we wouldn't have to deploy the weapons. We would just say, well, we have no other choice. We're putting nukes in Japan and we're putting nukes in South Korea. Now, understand that China doesn't want us there. China believes, and maybe courtesy of these last eight years, it may be closer to fact than I'm comfortable with, that that's their region. That they are the they are the big boy on the block in that region, and that the Pacific is theirs. They'll tolerate us because they need our money. But China, they are the they they believe this is their sphere of influence, and they don't want the United States there. So this would be a step backward if we deployed nukes in Japan, a U.S. ally, and deployed nukes in South Korea, China would look at that as, A, be very aggressive, and, I, and that's the only thing really the Chinese will respond to. They would also look at it as a constant threat to them, to their people, even though we'd be putting it uh, there under the, uh, because we want to deter North Korea. But it, would, it could also be used as a weapon system that would, impact their supremacy the chinese supremacy of that region so all we would have to do is say something have donald trump get up there and make an announcement that we're we were going to deploy those weapons china would then be engaged knowing they can't go to war with the united states they would utilize the full the full repertoire of pressure that they have which they're not using right now they would use all the arrows in their quiver to bring North Korea to heel. And they can. They can. Along with the United, and the United States and China working in concert, they most certainly can. Russia, they might do something to us out of spite. I don't think they would do much of anything in the, in the Security Council. They might abstain from a vote. But if China and the United States and, the, and the, the UN Security Council decided to get serious, then Kim Jong-un would be isolated. Where I see it going is uh, elements inside of North Korea who look at the crazy fat kid as, well, a crazy fat kid. They, they would see the abandonment of China as there, there's something wrong here. We got we to take care of things. And I think that, that Kim Jong-un would be in trouble inside of his own country if China brought the full court press. And, but we have to prompt them to bring that full court press. Mentioned earlier that um, Ann Coulter was has finally given up. She's uh, Berkeley. The liberals that uh, have won and free speech is dead at Berkeley. Liberal liberals are no longer the uh, proponents of free speech. They stifle free speech. They squelch free speech. And 
there there are guys out there like what's his name uh Howard Dean who doubled down on saying that hey conservatives are in my mind they equal hate and hate doesn't ha- is not protected under the first amendment and it most certainly is but this is this is Howard Dean trying to politicize speech or or basically trying to politicize speech or classify speech he disagrees with as hate speech really juvenile in a way but i wanted to deal with this this explanation that free speech is an absolute it most certainly is what is the the most uh, most often cited expression to say that free speech is an absolute it's the yelling fire in a crowded theater correct that's what they say that's the liberals explanation for basically saying well not you know speech free speech is an absolute in the united states even though it is our buddy chad kent now for those of you who are new to the chris salcedo show or haven't been with us from the beginning we used to do a a series called the constitution revolution we actually went through every article of the constitution with our buddy chad kent here and when we were talking about this whole free speech debate I was reminded of of this one Constitution Revolution. Listen to this. Let's have some fun with another one of those facts that everybody knows, but that just isn't true. When progressives are trying to justify limiting one of your constitutionally protected rights, you'll often hear them say something like, hey, your rights aren't absolute, man. I mean, we limit them all the time. After all, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, right? But can you? Of course you can. If I'm in a theater and there's a fire, I'm going to point that out. And I highly doubt that anybody's going to prosecute me for saying so. The truth is always a good defense. Now, if you yell out fire and there isn't one, the government can certainly punish you for that. But as Dr. Kevin Gutzman explains in his book, Who Killed the Constitution? In that case, you're not being punished for the content of your speech. You're being punished because the chaos that results from you yelling fire in that theater could lead to people getting injured. So you violated the rights of other people in that theater. It has nothing to do with restricting speech. It's about you endangering the physical safety of other people. Finally, most theaters are private property, so the First Amendment doesn't apply anyway. If you buy a ticket to go into a theater, The owner of that theater can restrict you from yelling meatballs or anything else they want to. Unfortunately, this myth has been very effective in convincing people that it's okay to restrict your rights. The problem with yelling fire in a crowded theater isn't about your right to free speech. It's about you violating the rights of other people. We need to make sure that we understand that distinction very well so that we don't continue to allow the government to chip away at our rights. That's the Constitution Revolution, and I am Chad Kent for the Chris Salcedo Show. And that's how it is. Hey, folks, Ann Coulter did have some things to say last night about some frustration about, you know, what's going on at Berkeley and how the Republicans seem to always be flat-footed even when they're in control. We'll hear from her coming up next on the Salcedo Show. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network.
Chris Salcedo show on the Blaze Radio Network. Ellie, I think we talked about this yesterday. Resident Obama slated to speak at uh, Wall Street Law Firm. Yeah, I think we did talk about this yesterday. Uh, payday is four hundred grand, four hundred thousand dollars. Now remember, he he spent the last eight years trashing Wall Street, right? And uh, he's he's who was it? Kristen Tate. Kristen Tate author of Government Gone Wild had this to say about the speech. Right, well, first of all, I'm just wondering what Obama could possibly say during a one-hour speech that would be worth $400,000. I know, right? Who would pay it? I, this is what we asked yesterday. Who would, why would you want to pay a guy to come there and just tell you how much, how, how much of a shrub you are? I, and I was talking with Ellie. I said, hey, we, we'd do it for far less. I'd do it for twenty-five k. I'd show up to this Wall Street firm and say, hey, you guys suck. Give me my 25 grand. <laughs> so one, one speculates that perhaps Mr. Obama wasn't as committed to his message as we were led to believe. Anyway, uh, the Washington Post, where uh, all liberal news stories originate, or a lot of liberal stories originate, is come out with a, an article that says that uh, Focahontas, Elizabeth Warren says she's troubled by Obama's Wall Street speaking gig. She's, she's troubled, ladies and gentlemen. You can find this story on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. It is uh, right below a list of, uh, of wrong-headed lawmakers who voted against school choice. All right, uh, after being forbidden to speak at Berkeley, because of her political views. Ann Coulter blasts those who should have been fighting for the First Amendment there on the front lines. She trains her fire on Republicans. What I'm frustrated with right now is I think the GOP should change their motto to next time. We'll fight this next time. We'll show them how good we are this time. Um, no, we want to win now, whether it comes to judges. Ruth Bader Ginsburg gets, you may Google it, about 98 votes from the Republicans and Clarence Thomas, 52. Gorsuch barely slips through. Um, um, you have Donald Trump with, um, he gives away DACA and then he doesn't get the wall. Well, that'll show him how good he is. What a good humanitarian by saying what a big heart he has for those dreamers, the illegal aliens he promised to deport. Next time we'll get them. And now we have Yaff saying, um, well, we're going to strike a blow for, for the next speaker at Berkeley. No, I want to win now. Can Republicans ever win now? Yeah. I think that she speaks for a lot of frustrated conservatives out there saying, you know, when uh, the, the mantra constantly from the GOP is, oh, we'll get it next time. We're going to see it in the budget discussions, folks. Hey, remember, a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by an out-of-control government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Hey, Friday tomorrow. Woo! Thank goodness. We'll see you here tomorrow on the Blaze Radio Network, 2 o'clock Eastern. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh.